0: two for the morning please
1: Case number 22-1106 and case number 22-2368 both from Eastern Missouri United States versus Arondo Harris
2: Mr. Gross Good morning your honors May It pleased please the court My name is Michael Gross I represent the appellant, Arondo uh, Harris. Mr. Harris's brief raises several issues. Uh, it's my intention to focus on two uh, unpreserved issues that arise from the closing argument for the government, but uh, I don't mean to suggest that, that uh, any diminished sense of the value of the other issues. All five of these issues were significant from my point of view. The summation issues uh were uh, two distinct um, arguments made by counsel for the government the the first argument that counsel made suggested to the jury told the jury that uh that the defendant had a burden of proof in the case what counsel said was i get to talk twice because i have a higher burden and higher is a relative term it has to refer to something that's lower it could refer to um, I have a higher burden than in a civil case, so I get to argue twice. Except you get to argue twice in a civil case also if you're the plaintiff. So the only other thing she can be referring to is I have a higher burden than the defendant.
3: Could, could it be, I mean, I'm more splitting hairs here, but could higher be, you know, I have beyond a reasonable doubt and the other side has nothing? And that is technically higher. You're right that the, that the uh, more natural reading is probably a relative. Reading, but but it is a possible reading.
2: It, it's it's certainly a possible reading, but in the context, because of the significance of the burden of proof, um, I I, um, I think this has to be seen.
1: Was the was the jury advised at other times during uh, the trial that the burden of proof was beyond a reasonable doubt on the government?
2: I'm sorry, I didn't do.
1: Was the proper burden ever told to the jury in another context? I mean, my recollection is um, the court you know instructed the jury on the proper
2: burden. The, uh, I don 't think the court did instruct the jury that the government bore the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The court didn't tell the jury anything about Mr um, about the defendant's burden because the, the defendant has none, even if the court had told the jury that the defendant has no burden, the prosecutor has a position of special trust with the jury and and has no business suggesting to the jury that the defendant has a burden. In this case or a case like this, That's especially important because this was a close case. This is, I would consider it a proverbial close case. The government undertook to prove um, a state of mind, and it's it's a fine line between the state of mind that the government sought to prove, and that the jury accept the jury found to have been proved beyond a reasonable doubt, and a state of mind that would not have been a guilty state of mind. The instruction. For willful blindness that the district court gave to the jury was great on this issue.
3: In light of um, in light of the, what what Judge Kobus asked, um, and given that you can given that this was a single remark, and given that you could read it as not being inconsistent with the burden of proof, I wonder whether the answer, since we're in plain air land, um, is just that his substantial rights were not affected.
2: I think that his most substantial right. Was unquestionably—it's not reasonable to question, from my point of view, that his most basic right in this trial you have a, a, was a, fact. a case where that's been reversed with facts like this. Um, I don't recall. Um, I'm not recalling a case now. I'd be happy to look and suggest the case to the court uh, in a 28 J letter. Um, but what I have is cases that say that if that it is. And it's cited in the brief uh, that it's – I believe this was um, – I'm not going to recall the name of the case, but
0: it is cited in the brief. Well, to be plain error, wouldn't wouldn't there need to be something that would have had precedential effect that would have put everybody on notice or at least make it apparent that the conduct here was uh, not permissible?
2: Well, if that was the case, then you could never have a new uh, – uh, uh, a new form of argument in, in this context, a new form of argument by the government that amounts to plain error if, there ha- if it has to have happened before. Well,
0: it didn't necessarily have to be, but I'm just curious if there is, if there's something out there that, that makes this plainly erroneous.
2: I, I would, I will, unless the court tells me not to look for a case that, that right. answers that question. Um, the, um, the, what I was uh, saying in response to Judge Strauss's question, is that the the, right, the the fundamental right that was affected is he, he, he's presumed innocent and he's and he has no burden of proving anything. And in this case, now, this fine line that the instruction drew was if he was merely um, careless or or negligent, um, then he's innocent. But if he uh, if he in, took affirmative action to avoid knowing, then he's guilty. It's willful blindness. There's, um, there, there's a difference between uh, j- just being uh, um, careless and being willfully blind. One way he's, he's not guilty, the other way he is. The jury may have wanted um, him to prove that, that he, to disprove something. They, they may have wanted him to come up with, with um, more than he came up with. He had no burden to do that. The jury needed to have no doubt that the burden was on the government uh, alone in this case, and that Mr. Harris had no burden at all. Um, the other summation issue in the case was uh, uh, occurred when the government, uh, uh, in its in its closing argument, told the jury that they needed to convict him to hold him to account for what he had done, which is fair enough. But they also needed to convict him to protect the community, protect themselves. and and the community, from the future crimes he would commit if he wasn't convicted. And that you cannot do. I believe the authority for that was this court's Johnson opinion. Um, And um, the prosecutor is not allowed to urge conviction uh, on on the basis of of future crimes. And that was uh, unequivocally done in this case. If there's any, what this court has held is if there's any chance the improper, any reasonable uh, probability that improper argument had an effect on the jury's decision, uh, then reversal is required. Are you, uh, Counselor, are you familiar
3: with our OB case, OBI, um, a 2020 case? And there the government said, now comes the justice, justice for Little Rock, justice for the community, justice for these four people sitting here who suffered through this, that, through that night, their justice. This is the only chance to hold them accountable, and that's what I'm asking you to do. This looks a lot like what happened in OB, except for maybe maybe not even as inflammatory
2: as what happened in OB. I'm, I'm not familiar with the okay. opinion. I apologize for that. But what sure. I heard uh, in the excerpt that the court read was didn't say anything about uh, hold them accountable for future crimes, prevent future crimes. And that's my point. What the prosecution cannot do, is tell the jury convict this guy, to in order to keep him from committing future crimes, and that's exactly what counsel told the jury in this case. And because it's a close case, um, the, um, the 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 improper argument matters uh, more than it would matter if, if, if it doesn't take as much even for plain error um, when the argument is improper in a close case, as as in a case where the proof of guilt is overwhelming. Uh, the, um, we've got a, a little time left.
3: Yeah, if, if you would. Actually, the one I'm most interested in, I, I want you to be able to control your time, but um, this, the loss. I thought the loss was, presented a really tough issue, and so I would, I would like to hear from you on that.
2: Um, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. I, um, I'm fascinated by Zillow and Realtor.com. Those are websites that, to me, exist to gin up commissions for, uh, re- for real estate brokers and salesmen they um, the, uh, Zillow has I think they're getting out of the business now but they as the prices were going crazy over the last couple of years for real estate Zillow got into the real estate business the the self-interest of those websites in in justifying high prices therefore higher commissions is one consideration in its own right but but the the I think the undeniable um, Uh, the the, the difficult issue, most difficult part of the issue for me is that this is an algorithm. These values were determined on Realtor.com by Realtor.com's algorithm, which nobody understands. But, but Uh, Council, you
1: would admit that, I mean, the calculation doesn't have to be precise, right? I mean, and certainly there's some um, relationship between Zillow and and Realtor.com and the actual market price. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the timing issue right? The 2019 versus the 2021. And could you explain kind of the factual record? I I thought there were some substantial upgrades and renovations that were done during that time period. Am I reading the record correctly?
2: I think the renovations, the improvements happened um, in 2018, uh, happened um, when Mr. Harris bought the property. His, His livelihood Uh, was buying uninhabitable property. So the
1: defense expert said it was, the three properties were altogether worth $23,000, right? That's correct. Did that include renovations?
2: No, she was talking about the value at the time of the
1: crime. At the the time of the crime, okay. Did the district court specifically consider
2: um, the value of the renovations and determine when the loss occurred? The the district court didn't state um, exactly where he was getting the value from. He said he was going to I believe he said he was going to sustain the objection in part. The government's valuation, the the Realtor.com valuation, I believe, was 160 odd thousand dollars, and the district court came up with 153 thousand dollars. And where you got from the from the Realtor.com number to the the 153 thousand, I can't tell from the record. Just
3: on that point, did the district court suggest that it had looked at Realtor.com? like that day or was it, was it, was it, was it going backwards and did the district court try to, or the experts try to look at it in 2018 or 19 when he bought the
2: property? There's no indication that the, that the realtor.com valuation was a 2019 valuation, no indication at all. And as best we could tell, that would be the realtor.com valuation was a current valuation, 2021, I believe. And, um, the, uh, so the um, Part of, part of Mr. Harris's argument was a 2021 algorithmic valuation that couldn't conceivably have taken into account anything
0: inside the house. Counsel, how, how did how did it come to pass that these websites became the source for the determination of the value of the property? Government chose not to have um, a, 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 a person.
2: Evaluate I mean, was, was there any
0: back and forth between the? Uh, the parties to say well, one says well, government says let's use this website. Did the defense say well, no, that's not accurate. And was there any discussion with the court about what would be an appropriate source for valuation? Mr. Fine was adamant from
2: the start. As soon as the the pre-sentence report came back with a Realtor.com valuation, that that was an inappropriate basis for for determining fair market value. And Judge that uh, the um, you certainly don't have to have precision. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. But you do have to have fair market value. And and the choosing a, a – there was a way to prove value at the time that the crime was committed. There was a way to prove value before and after the improvements. There was a way to prove value in 2021 also.
1: So the government argues in their brief to this court that there were additional um, – elements of loss that could have gone into the calculation, loss of use, uh, there were real estate taxes paid during the time period. Do you agree that those are permissible
2: um, in calculating the loss? Yes, Your Honor. I, I just think you need – this was a loss valuation based on fair market value and, and based on just the Realtor.com valuation. So you're saying the district court didn't actually consider those issues? There's no indication okay, that, that he did. No, that evidence wasn't presented uh, in the context of um, the evaluation. I'm way into my rebuttal time, so thank you, Your Honors. Thank you, Mr. Gross.
0: Mr. Dunkel?
4: Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> May it please the court. My name is Jason Dunkel and I'm representing the United States of America today. I would like to start by focusing on the allegations regarding the errors in the summation. The district court did not plainly err when it did not take any curative action in response to those statements. Those statements that the prosecutor made during the closing argument were in response to arguments that were made by the defense attorney inviting the jury to exercise jury nullification powers, arguing that this was just a civil matter. But it goes beyond just saying that it was a civil matter. The tone of the defense's arguments in that summation was that this was just sort of a cost of doing business. That Mr. Rondo Harris is buying property and selling property, and sometimes you accidentally buy property that, with a forged deed, that the um, that the homeowners had no participation in selling. And he suggested that the appropriate remedies were for him to receive compensation for the improvements that he made from those victim homeowners. By showing no remorse and by arguing that way, he is encouraging the jury to nullify. But more importantly, he is indicating that that is his normal course of business and that his behavior is not going to change. So he is inviting the alleged error in this case.
1: Do you you think the the comment about the burden of proof would be inappropriate in, in the absence of the context you just described?
4: So I do believe that the alleged error regarding the burden of proof is unrelated to that invited error. It's a separate issue in my mind. And I would note for the court that in the United States versus Hernandez case, there was an issue where there was an allegation that the government misstated the burden of proof. And in that case, the court found that the jury instructions, the default jury instructions, and the counsel's later arguments regarding the burden of proof in the case did cure that issue. And that's what we have in this case. The jury was instructed on the presumption of innocence. The jury was instructed on the burden of proof. And even though there is that one misstatement early on where the prosecutor used the word higher rather than the word high, she does later on refer to the presumption of innocence and the burden of proof. And so I think that we're squarely in the Hernandez case here, where even if that word higher instead of high is an impropriety, it is not plain air. In the Hernandez case was a plain air case.
0: But you don't dispute that? The law is such that prosecutors should not be telling jurors to strike a blow for the community, so to speak.
4: That is a correct statement of the law, Your Honor. They can uh, ask for... The jury to vindicate the victims, the four victims in this case, uh, but they should not be asking to vindicate a community interest. That would be the uh, the Johnson case, asking uh, you know incorporating the war on drugs into the closing argument.
0: So it's the government's position that it was um, it was definitely objectionable and and potentially error for the district court not to have. Uh, well, I don't think
4: that the fact pattern that we have here is that Johnson case. Why not? I, I believe that we are in the OB case land because we, in describing the crime that occurred and in asking for the jury not to nullify and asking the jury to set aside these civil arguments and talking about the impact on the community, she was talking about the impact on these four property owners, the two towns, the Heron and the White family who lost their home i think that she was asking to vindicate their losses their interests especially when partnered with the defense counsel's invitation that those individuals should be paying mr harris for the work that he did on those homes that is what she was asking for when asking for a guilty verdict in this case she was responding to those arguments and turning it back to the well, what, i
0: think there was one statement we all need protection from him, so to speak? Why is that not similar to the Johnson type?
4: That is probably the closest that we get in this case to the Johnson case. Um, But again, that goes to the issue of whether or not future conduct was raised by the invitation for jury nullification in this case. Because the defense attorney was arguing in a manner that was encouraging the jury to accept this as just a regular course of real estate business in the city of St. Louis. I think that that does uh, bring that comment into the invited response by the defense attorney. Turning to the issue of the valuation in this case, I think it is important to note that the government i that the district court did not accept the government's valuation in this case and he lowered the valuation by approximately $10,000 that's 6 or
1: 7% of the total total value so what was the valuation based on in the record
4: the valuation that the government was asking for was based off of the Realtor.com estimates
1: and was there any other evidence submitted by the government
4: we So the court reviewed photographs that were taken both before and after photographs from the trial. Those were not presented at the sentencing hearing themselves, but they were presented at the trial, and that was within the record and within the district court's memory. The district court also received, again in the trial, testimony about um, other aspects of the loss. So the uh, the victim from the uh, house owned by Sharice White, she testified to the sentimental value that was in the home, Uh, because she had inherited that home from her mother Um, same thing
0: with sentimental value is not is that recoverable well that goes
4: into the formula for what is the um fair market value the fair market value comes from what a willing seller would sell and a owner's sentimental value, what they get out of that house goes into what they would sell
3: that house for on the fair market. That's not how the market works. The market, because the willing seller could say, I love this house, it's worth a million dollars, but no willing buyer is going to buy it. So if she wants to sell it, she's got to sell it for a hundred thousand or whatever without the sentimental value. Yes, and, and when we, when the seller progress to the point of a give and
4: take of negotiations, there would be some as um, some give and take there. Uh, Miss Ru- Ms. White testified that when she was thinking about selling the house, she thought that she would list the house for approximately $50,000. We didn't ask the district court to adopt that as the value of the house, but that goes into if she had been a willing seller, what she would have been ballparking her house as worth. In that case- Is there
1: anything else than sentimental value that, that's in the, either the sentencing transcript or the trial transcript? I mean, your brief, I think, refers to some taxes that were paid.
4: Uh, taxes, and then there was additionally, uh, from one of the homes, a homeowner estimated that they had 7000 to $10,000 worth of rehab equipment and home renovation equipment right. that was stolen in the trailer, yes. Um, and I believe one of the other houses, they talk about having uh, materials inside the house that was stolen as well.
0: So which which Zillow valuation or website valuation was used? The one at the time of the taking or the transaction or subsequent?
4: I believe that the realestate.com and Zillow values that were submitted were based off of contemporaneous values, so that would have been at the time of the sentencing. And that but why,
0: it, why is that appropriate as opposed to the valuation um, at the time the property was taken?
4: I think that historical valuations from Realtour.com were not available, so the present values were used, but it would be very justified for the court to lower those values to compensate for the fact that there had been some growth in value over the years, and I think that would be one just,
1: or one explanation for why the court did decrease the was a pretty it by 10, minor 000. reduction, wasn't it? I mean, it, if you're, you know, over two years, the reduction was approximately $10,000 from the government's request, and apparently then the court didn't consider, if that's correct, um, did the court consider then upward, you know, increasing it because of the renovations? I mean, it looks like, to me, this was just a Zillow number reduced by a, a random amount. Well,
4: I would say that there's only slight evidence in this case about the value of the improvements. The defendant testified at the trial that he put $60,000 into the house, but there's been no other um corroboration of that, but the judge looked at the actual photographs. The judge could see the before and the after photos. The judge could make a determination how much he believed those uh, values were increased as a result of the renovations. Um, He does not need to accept the $60,000 value that was uh, testified to by the defendant, especially in a case where there is a, a factual credibility finding against the defendant because two points were assessed in the PSR for obstruction of justice from the defendant's testimony in this case. So um, the judge, I think, was in the best position to look at those photographs to assess for himself what he thought the value improvements were in those homes, rather than taking the defendant's word for it. I
3: think there's two problems here, quite frankly. One is, is you used, as the government used, not you, the government used 2018, or excuse me, used 2021 data, as you mentioned, to Chief Judge Smith. Um, and not at the time of the crime. And as we know, because of low interest rates, property values did rise considerably. Now, maybe that's in the $10,000 reduction. Maybe it's not, but we don't know because the district court never mentioned the words appreciation or anything like that. The other is that there were improvements made not only to that property of some kind. I think everyone – maybe they're not as extensive, but there could have also been improvements made to surrounding properties, which could raise – uh, property values. If you were to gentrify a neighborhood or something like that, as well, you know, why is it? Why doesn't that create enough doubt that maybe we ought to have the district court do this over again and just explain its reasoning? It may come out the same same way, but just explain what it was doing. I think because there is a heavy presumption that the district court
4: did go through this and look at this and come up with a reasonable determination. Um,
0: well, this there is may effect- be a presumption, but we still have to have some basis for determining how the court did it and just there's just not much here can you fill in the gaps for us how was was there some explanation given was there is there something in the record to indicate there the was methodology
4: not, and when the judge issued his uh, ruling that it, the total value was 153000 dollars there was not an explanation for the $10,000 decrease from what the government believed the value was and what the, the district court found. Um, the record just does not indicate that. And, and to my knowledge, there was not any discussion outside of the record that uh, you have before you today that explains that. So, um, I have not touched on the other two issues here today, but um, I do believe that the brief speaks for themselves on the ineffective assistance claim. The one issue that I wanted to address on the interstate nexus claim is that there is sufficient evidence of interstate nexus with respect to all three of these properties. One of the properties was owned by a Texas homeowner, so there's clear interstate nexus there. The other two properties were both rented by the defendant after he came into possession of them, and there was evidence that he was advertising those rentals online and that he was accepting rental payments through Cash App. And finally, with respect to all three properties, the notary testified that as a result of the Secretary of State investigation into whether these documents had been improperly notarized, she was prevented from working as a notary for a period of time until that investigation had concluded. For all of these reasons, there is sufficient interstate nexus as to all three of the properties underlying all six of the counts, and, uh, the motion for acquittal was properly denied. Unless there's any other questions from the judges, thank you for your time.
0: I don't see any. Thank you, Mr. Dunkel. Um.
2: The fair market value issue, um, I think Judge Strauss um, uh, responded to that in the way that, that I would like to, which is it's it's not just about, well, fair market value isn't determined by what a, um, a, a willing seller would sell, by, sell his property for. There's, there's got to be a buyer also. Um, the notion, and, and uh, it's, what the government did here even with respect to realtor.com values is they didn't do the work of digging to see if they could come up with 2019 fair market uh, 2019 realtor.com valuations what they really didn't do was get somebody to come in and provide an evidentiary uh, a sound evidentiary basis for what the value of the property was when it was stolen Uh, uh, Mr. Harris brought a witness in to testify about the value of the property. It's not something that's particularly difficult and the government totally punted on that. They they just did the easy thing and took a current um, by the government's concession today uh, I didn't know this before they took a a current uh, but my assumption would be they took a 2021 Realtor.com valuation I would like to touch on the, the fact that there's a big difference between saying I have a higher burden of proof and saying I have a high burden of proof, but I'm out of time. Thank you,
0: Your Honors. Thank you, Mr. Gross. Court thanks both counsel for participation in the argument before the court this morning. We'll take the case under advisement. Thank you.